Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. I'm glad I'm saved. Thank the Lord for November the 29th, 2002. And the Lord Jesus convicted my heart and drew me to a place of repentance and saved me. And I thank you for that. I've never been the same, amen. I'm sure ain't been what I should be. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've had a lot of failures in my life, but I'm thankful that I'm not what I used to be, amen. And it's so good to be here. Take your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1 this morning. And I'll share a little thought with you and we'll get out of the way. And uh, I believe this is what the Lord would have us give you today. This is an interesting passage of Scripture. This is the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Matthew chapter number 1. And uh, there's a lot of names. You read down through here, there's a lot of names that are hard to pronounce. And if you're like me, you struggle a little bit with that in your Bible reading. Uh, you get some of these names and uh, you think about uh, uh, Aram who begot Amenadab. You just want to be like, man, uh, did you not know you could name your son John? Amen. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to draw your attention to one verse, verse number 6. I won't read all of these names, verses 1 through 6, but I want to draw your attention to that verse when you find your place. Stand in honor of God's Word. And this is what your Bible says in Matthew 1 and verse number 6. And Jesse beget David the king. David the king beget Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity, uh, God, to stand and to open the Word of God. Lord, we stand here with arm of flesh, has and will fail us, and I pray that you would touch and strengthen, uh, God, our heart and mind today. Pray, Lord, you'd empty me of self, and God, cleanse me of sin. And Lord, today as we look into the Word of God, I pray for each one representing this group of people, this congregation, God, here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church this morning. I pray that you would allow their heart to be open to the Word of God. And thank you for Pastor Barker. Thank you, Lord, for touching him physically. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to stand here in this pulpit where so many great men have stood. I pray now, Lord, that you would help us, God, as we try to help your people. And we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Now, as I've already said, here in Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, we find uh, the genealogy, uh, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find the ancestry of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Matthew chapter number 1. We understand the synoptic Gospels in our Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and how they give us a very distinct or uh, not necessarily different but uh, really a viewpoint from four different individuals on the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that Matthew often shows us Christ the King and when we get to the book of Mark, Mark shows us Christ the servant. We get over to the book of Luke and he shows us Christ the Son of Man. And then in John's gospel we understand that John paints us the picture of Christ the Son of God. But here in our text in Matthew what we find is the regal line of the Lord Jesus or the 
royal lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we understand that as we go through the synoptic gospels, uh, uh, we find different things about the lineage of the Lord Jesus. And uh, when we get to Mark, we don't have a lineage because he paints the Lord Jesus in the light of a servant. And a servant is not judged by his lineage, but rather his service. And then we get over to the book of Luke and we find a lineage there that's very different and it's the uh, legal, if you will, lineage of the Lord Jesus, that lineage down through Nathan. I've always thought that to be very interesting. And then uh, we get over to the book of John and we find that he has no ancestry uh, because Jesus or God had no beginning and he has no end. He is the first and the last. Amen. He's the beginning and the end. And so in Matthew, it's interesting to note that we start with God and we work to Jesus. And then in Luke's lineage, uh, uh, we start with Jesus and we work to God. Uh, did you know this morning that Jesus is the only individual uh, that's ever traced his lineage back and found himself? Amen. And you and I, my father-in-law especially, he really enjoys tracing uh, and looking back at his lineage and looking back at his family history. Uh, but one thing he's never found is he's never found himself uh, uh, when he traced his lineage back. Uh, uh, but when the Lord Jesus did, uh, he found himself all the way back in the beginning. Amen. I can't wrap my mind around the God that we serve. I don't understand all the things about the God that we serve. He's much bigger than I am. He's much bigger than I can ever comprehend. And I'm thankful that this morning the God that we're serving is bigger than we are. Amen. And so we understand a little bit about what's taking place and what this means in the lineage here in Matthew chapter number 1. But what I want to point out and I want you to understand is what exactly does a lineage make us do? When we look at a genealogy or a lineage, what does it specifically force us to do? Well, it simply will force us to look backwards. Would you agree with that? It makes us look back at the past. It makes us look back at what's come, what has happened before we got to where we are. And I think about a lineage. I think about uh, Brother Barker and his family uh, history and his lineage and his father. And I've talked to Brother uh, Brother Alan Barker and uh, uh, he's talked a little bit about his lineage. And uh, I think about my lineage. I reckon I'm the only Williams uh, that's a preacher. If you look at the Williams family, they all run moonshine uh, and uh, they were thrown in jail about every three or four weeks and uh, they hated the sheriff and the sheriff hated them. I reckon I'm I'm the only one in my lineage, if you look at it, uh, that's involved in anything like what we're experiencing this morning. And so when you look back at your lineage or your history, it begins to tell a story of your past. Uh, it begins to speak about where you came from and what is in your uh, history or past. And so I think about that and I think about what this verse in Matthew chapter number 1 uh, begins to describe to us uh, about this 
man by the name of David. I begin to think about what this verse means as we read it and we're looking at the lineage or the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We learn something very simple in this verse. We learn that David had some difficult things in his past. We learn that David had some things in his history, if you will, that would haunt most if they were to look and to see and to realize what's really said to us in verse number 6. So I want to give you a few things this morning on this thought. There is some some things in my past. There are some things in my past. And every single one of us this morning, we have a past. We have a history. There are things in my life that I would never want you to know. There's some things in your life that you'd never want the congregants of Amazing Grace Baptist Church to ever know about you. If we were this morning to put up on the screen and we will begin to play the things that have taken place in our past, the thoughts of our heart and the intents of our heart and the things that we allow into our lives, those things that you don't think anybody else knows or maybe there's things that other people knows but nobody here knows and God's allowed you to have a clean start and a new slate on life. If we were to play those on the screen this morning, there's no doubt in my mind that I know I'd run out of this place and I wouldn't want anybody to know everything about my past. Every single one of us have something in our past that if we're not careful it will halt us, it will discourage us, it will stop us from doing what God wants us to do for him. But I'm here to tell you this morning that your past is not the end. Amen. I see that when we look at this text, I find that David has some great disappointment in his past. I want you to think about this. The Bible teaches us that uh, David was a king. The Bible says, and Jesse begat David the king. And so what that speaks to me about is some disappointment in David's past. See, David wasn't the first king of Israel. There was another. His name was Saul. You understand when you study the life of Saul, Saul was a man that had been set up by uh, God basically because of the rebellion of the nation of Israel. I mean, he was anointed of God. You study the life of David. When Saul turned on David, David wouldn't touch the man of God because he said, I can't put my hand on God's anointed. The reality was Saul was anointed of God. The Bible teaches us in 1 Samuel that all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee. And they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should reign over them. Then we know the story in 1 Samuel chapter number 9. The Bible teaches us there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abel, the son of Zoar, the son of Bacharath, the son of Althea, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward he was higher than any of the people. Saul was a good man. Saul was a man that 
uh, was a choice man, but it never teaches us in the Word of God that Saul was a godly man. Saul was a good man. We understand that he was backwards and he was shy. The Bible teaches us uh, that Saul answered and said, Of not I Benjamin out of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. But somewhere in the life of Saul, his estimation of himself changed. How he felt about himself, his humility was lost at some point. The Bible teaches us in 1 Samuel 15. This is Samuel talking now. He said, When thou, he's talking to Saul, when thou wast small or when thou wast little in thine own eyes, wast thou not made head over the tribe of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. You see, Saul's estimation of himself at some point changed. Now, we've got to understand this morning, church, that Saul was the king of the nation of Israel. But then we find a story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and you know it very well. And that's where this man by the name of David we're talking about in Matthew chapter number 1 goes out and he kills a giant named Goliath. Y'all remember him? And he kills this giant by the name of Goliath. And there was, a, there was an envy and there was a hatred that began to grow in the heart of the king, King Saul, towards David. See, when David came back into the city, there was a song sung by the women of the city. And the song went something like this. Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And so Saul began to be very upset, jealous, angry, and hate this man by the name of David. He wanted to kill him. He tried to him multiple times. No doubt in the heart of David, he held the king to a high standard. Wouldn't you agree with that? David was a young man when Saul was anointed king over Israel. And there in the desert places, David would write those songs of praise to the Lord, a man after God's own heart, no doubt looking up to the king of his people as he became rejected by that king. What a disappointment that must have been in the past of David. You ever been disappointed by those you looked up to? You ever been disappointed by those that were your hero? By those that meant everything to you. And you look back in your past and you see where they failed and messed up or maybe even turned on you. And you think to yourself, man, that's disappointing. Man, that's terrible. I held them to a high standard. They were my hero. They meant everything to me. And now in your past, when you look back, there's some disappointment. And I say to you this morning, church, there's always going to be, I think about in my life, I think about those that I've held to high standards, some heroes, the man that was preaching the night I got saved. My goodness, he's plumb off the rails. Disappointing. And if we're not careful, church, we will allow the disappointments of our past. I mean, can you imagine this young shepherd boy that all he wanted to do, a man after God's own heart, all he wanted to do was what God wanted for him. And he watches as the very first king is ever put in place over his nation. And he's the best man that they could find throughout all of the nation of Israel. There's no doubt in my mind when he looked at Saul, he said, that's who I want to be like. That's who I want to pattern my life after. That's my hero. But he's hated by his hero now. You ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? You look back and you're disappointed by some things in your past, some people or some heroes in your past. 
There's some great disappointment in this verse. But then I see not only is there some great disappointment, but I see there's some great distress in this verse in Matthew chapter number 1. The Bible goes on to say not only in Jesse beget David the king, but then he goes on to say David the king begets Solomon. There's some great distress in David's life. See, David wasn't the first king of Israel. There was another. But you've got to understand that Solomon wasn't the first son. There was another before he came along. I want you to stay with me. I'm going somewhere. In 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and verse 27, And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and buried him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Y'all know that story. It's where uh, David takes the wife of Uriah. Then eventually, if you study the story, he sends uh, Uriah out to the forefront of the battle and has him murdered to cover up his sin with Bathsheba. The Bible said in 2 Samuel chapter 12, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. It came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. The servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, he spake unto him. He would not hearken unto our voice. How will he vex him? How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? So we see here in the life of David, there's some great disappointment in his past. There's some great distress in his past. David here is in a place where his son is sick unto death because of the sin that he has allowed into his life. It must have been a distressing thing for David to watch his son die because of his sin. That word sick is simply is translated in our Bible into four different words, and that is sick, incurable, desperate, and woeful. He's suffering. David is watching his son suffer because of what he has done. There's also something else that's sad about this young boy is he's never given a name. You understand, if you study Jewish tradition, the Jews didn't name their children until the eighth day. This young man, the Bible teaches us, is, his life is taken on the seventh day. Nathan, the man of God, he shows up and he tells David, you've done wrong. Because of that, there is a price to pay. I think about the passage of Scripture and how the Lord tells Nathan to tell David, the Lord hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. And that's good. But the very next verse, this is what it says, how be it. See, you've got to understand that there's always a how be it for our sin. When we mess up, when we make mistakes, hey, listen, God, does, here's what you need to understand. God does not accept sin. God forgives sin. Does that make sense to you? God does not accept our sin. 
But I'm so thankful that He does forgive our sin. And there are consequences when we sin before a holy God. I go out here, and I've, I've said this a bunch of times, I go out here and I get liquored up and I run my car into a tree and I sever my leg above the, above the kneecap. Will God forgive me for that sin? Absolutely, He will, because He promised He would in 1 John 1, 9, but my leg's not growing back. Amen? There are consequences for our sin, and that's where David is at in this story. He's watching as his son dies. There's some great distresses in David's life as he looks back. And if he were to read Matthew 1 and verse number 6, there's no doubt in my mind that he would think about exactly what I'm preaching to you this morning. There's some great defilement in David's life. So we see David wasn't the first king. Saul was. Solomon wasn't the first son. There was one that died. But then I see that Bathsheba, Urias, Bathsheba, and David. David wasn't the first husband of Bathsheba. Urias was. There's some great defilement. David could look back and he could see all of the mess in his past. David had failed as a man. Nowhere in the Bible is Bathsheba condemned. The Bible said that the thing that David did displeased the Lord. Nowhere in the Bible do we find that Bathsheba is condemned for what took place. I personally believe that David was the sole instigator in what took place between him and Bathsheba. You know, you reap in kind what you sow, and you can look at the life of David and see he reaps in kind what he sowed. Now I would submit to you that David used his influence to corrupt Bathsheba and he used his authority to kill her husband. Did you know that there's no doubt in my mind that's probably the greatest failure a man can ever experience is when you use your authority and your influence to sin against God. My goodness, you think to yourself when we look here at this passage of Scripture and you think to yourself what a depressing passage what a depressing verse in our Bible uh, when we read this passage of Scripture as the Bible teaches us uh, that David wasn't the first king Saul was uh, and Saul hated David uh, because David simply was trying to do what he felt like he was called to do and he was disappointed when he looked at his past we see that Solomon wasn't the first son there was another son that died because David had sinned against the Lord. And then we find the Bible teaches us of her that had been the wife of Urias. David wasn't the first husband of Bathsheba. There was another, and he had him killed because of his sin. My goodness, what a depressing verse in our Bible. But I want to remind you of something. We are reading the royal lineage of of the Lord Jesus Christ. May I submit to you this morning uh, there may be some disappointments in your past. Uh, there may be some distressing things in your past. Uh, there may be some defiling things in your past. Uh, but can I say your past uh, my friend uh, is not uh, my friend powerful enough uh, to stop the deliverance uh, that God wants to bring to your life this morning. 
there is deliverance from your past. When you look back, you may feel like that there's absolutely nothing you can do for the Lord. You look back and say, my life's a mess. My life, when I look at my history, when I look at my genealogy, when I look at where I came from, preacher, if you knew all of those things, you'd look at me this morning and say you're a nothing and a nobody. But I'm here to tell you that God can deliver you from your past. There's great deliverance. We're talking about the royal. If it had been me, I'll just be honest with you. If it had been me, I said, well, David was going to be in my lineage. But my goodness, what a failure. What a mess up. What a gom. Y'all know what a gom is down here in Elkin? What a gom he's made. I'm going to have to find somebody else. <laughs> but that's not what the Lord does. That's not what the Lord does. See, the brother and sister across the aisle may not ever forget what you've been. The preacher down the road may not ever forget where you've gone. And uh, maybe even the mental battles that the devil would bring to your mind and bring to the forefront of your memory. It may never turn loose of what took place on yesterday. But there's a God in heaven this morning that says you're forgiven. You're clean. I've washed you. And it's under the blood. Hallelujah if you give it to him. I want you to think about second hands. Whiz down here, I forget when it was, brother. Pastor took me and Amanda over to this place that sold a variety of, is it a variety, I don't know, a variety of clothing, is that right? Product, a brand, there we go, a brand of clothing. It's called Fish Hippie. Anybody know about that? Anybody know about that? And, so, and his store that he took us to, you can buy really cheap, really expensive stuff for a cheap price. I like that. Y'all like that? I like expensive stuff for a cheap price. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, okay? <laughs> so I got me a vest over there. It's really nice navy blue vest. I like navy blue and gray. I like dark colors, dark brown. You know, that's kind of my personality. <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but it got me a nice vest. And I was wearing that thing. Boy, I'm proud of it. I like it. I still got it. I still wear it. But I was, forget what I was doing, I put something in my pocket and it had zippers on the pocket. And I thought, well, I'll zip up these pockets to secure whatever it was I was putting in my vest. And I realized my zipper didn't have a zipper on one side. And I said, well, what in the world? I ain't got a zipper in <laughs> my zipper. And I realized I had bought a second hand. Now, you didn't, you couldn't tell it from the outside. You couldn't tell that there was a flaw from holding it up and looking on the outside. But on the inside, there was a little something messed up. See, when the world gives you a second hand, the intent is that the value is lesser than of the first. When the world gives you a second, it's not as valuable as the first. But what I want to submit to you this morning out of Matthew 1 and verse number 6 
is that when God gives you a second, it's intended to be better than the first. When you hold it up, you can't see anything because it's been washed clean. When God gives you a second, it's intended to be better than the first. You say, preacher, when I look back, I see some distresses. I see some defilement. I see some disappointment. But my friend, this morning, when God sees you, he sees perfection. He sees perfection. Let me show you this and I'm done. I'll be done by noon. That's a blessing too, ain't it? Now think about this verse. We've got three second hands. David wasn't the first king Saul was. Solomon wasn't the first son. There was one that died because of David's sin. David wasn't the first son of Bathsheba. Urias was. This morning I see a second sovereign. I see a second son. And I see a second spouse. I find three second hands in Matthew 1 and verse number 6. I think about the day that we live in. It's crazy, ain't it? We live in a world where people's minds are wrecked and ruined. We live in a world that in, from our perspective, is hard to reach. Do you agree with me? Now, it's not. God's doing a work. Look around the sanctuary. But in our minds, what we see out there in the world, I think to myself, we're living in a day where people are hard to reach. But I believe that the reality is we are living in a day where people are wanting to be reached more than they ever have been. People are hurting. People are looking for something to fill the void inside. People are looking for hope because when they do look back, there's such a mess. There's such, there's, there's such a, a, a disappointment when they look at their past and they're convinced in their mind that they're worth nothing. They're convinced in their mind that they are nothing. They're convinced in their mind that they'll never be anything. Uh, but I'd submit to you this morning uh, uh, that there is a God in heaven that loves you. Uh, uh, there's a God in heaven uh, uh, that's able to take your mess uh, and bring greatness out of it. Uh, uh, there's a God in heaven that can raise you up uh, and take you farther than you've ever gone and make you greater than you ever thought you could be this morning. Oh, listen to me. God's able to take us and use all of our mess to bring greatness. Don't let your past haunt you. You say, preacher, you don't understand what's in my past. I don't have to and I don't care. It absolutely means nothing to me. And when God's forgiven you, he don't even know it exists. You realize that? Read a commentator about this verse and he made this statement. You ever read a commentator? Anybody ever read commentators? Commentaries? A lot of, a lot of times I read them and I'm like, where, where did they get this? <laughs> they didn't get it out of the Bible. Where do they get it? But sometimes I'll read stuff and it's good. Sometimes I'll read stuff and it's not so good. One commentator made the statement that this passage of Scripture when the Lord says that her who her that had been the wife of Urias, that's just God kind of glossing over David's sin in this passage. Disagree with that. 
This is God removing David's sin and it's gone forever. It's not, hey, he don't gloss over your sin. He covers your sin with the blood and it's removed never to be remembered again. You say, preacher, I remember it. I understand, but Jesus don't. You say, preacher, the person across the aisle remembers it. I understand, but Jesus don't. You say, preacher, the neighbor down the road remembers it. I understand, but Jesus don't. I'm here to tell you this morning that it doesn't matter what everybody else remembers. It doesn't matter what you remember. The reality is, if it's under the blood, it's been washed from your slate this morning. I think about this little story, and I'll close with this. I've got a few other things. Think about it real quick. I'm going to move quickly. Think about it. Was, was David a better king than Saul? Absolutely he was. Was Samuel a better son than the first? Was Solomon a better son than the first son? Absolutely. The first son was never even given a name. Died on the seventh day. You know, Solomon was given three names. Solomon was given three names. Meaning beloved of God. Meaning, meaning belonging unto God meaning peace, Solomon and Jedediah and Lemuel. God bless the second. That second spouse. We read about another wife that was given to David. She mocked him as he worshipped God. Nowhere in the Bible that I can find do we ever have a cross thing said about Bathsheba. She honored respected, and followed David. In my mind, how could God bless all that we've read about? And here's how he can bless it. Psalms 51, you'll read a verse, a chapter, about this man by the name of David. And it's where he came to the Lord begging for forgiveness and for a clean heart once again. You say, preacher, how could... God bless the mess of a past that I have. You come to Him and you ask Him to forgive you, wash you, and cleanse you, and then sit and watch what He does with your life. There's a story, and I'm closing with this. There's a story of a young man who had a disagreement with his father. This young man, I believe it, the story goes that it was around Christmas time. This young man and his father had a disagreement. The father looked at the young man and he said, I want you to leave and you're never welcome here again. Don't ever come back to this house. You're never welcome here again. The young man left and never returned. And over the process of time, his father's heart began to get soft towards his son. And he didn't know where his son was at. He didn't know what his son was involved in. But he said, here's what I'm going to do. The last known place that my son was is in Philadelphia. I'm going to run a full-page ad that says, John, you're forgiven. It's your father. Would you meet me at this time and this place? The story goes that the ad ran in the newspaper and the father went to Philadelphia. And at that time and that place in Philadelphia, the story goes, I think it's over 75 young men by the name of John came to that place just hoping that maybe it was their father that had forgiven them. Here's what I'm simply trying to say to you this morning. Whether it's you 
or somebody beside you, there's a world of people that are looking for a second chance. There's a world of people that are hurting, that are burdened, and that need to know that Jesus loves them. You might be here this morning, you've never been saved. You've never asked the Lord to save you. It could be because when you look back at your past, you simply, you may not say it, but you simply think to yourself, God could never save somebody like me. There's no way God could forgive somebody like me. I'm just here to tell you this morning that he died for you, he loves you, and he will save you. If you're here this morning and what God has called you to do for him has kind of come to a stop because of this right here, Talking about your mind. You're haunted by things that you've done, by failures that you have experienced, by disappointments and distressing things and defilement. You're haunted right here. You've just kind of stopped for the Lord. I'm here to tell you that He remembers it no more. He remembers that we are but dust. God knows. God forgives, and God will use you if you'll let him. Heads are bowed this morning.